Hello, and welcome to Life on Maine, a daily podcast of Life on Maine in Charlestown, New Hampshire, where we discuss living life on the main purpose as designed by God. I am Pastor Tim Golden, and on these podcasts, we focus on growing in relationship with God, maturing in the faith through His Word, stewarding our relationships with one another, as well as learning to make disciples as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Each day highlights one of these facets of spiritual character, growth, and stewardship, so be sure to come back each day to grow a strong and healthy walk with the Lord. Now, let's see what the Holy Spirit wants to show us today. Uh, if you would turn with, your, uh, with me in your Bibles today to the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 8. We're going to skip around a little bit. Um, Daniel 1, Daniel 3, Daniel 6. It's something I feel God wants to share with us today. And the title of my sermon is, Can I Get a Witness? Come on, somebody. Can I get a witness? Alright. Uh, Daniel 1, starting, well, actually only reading verse 8. Uh, Daniel was taken into captivity, him and the Israelites. And Daniel had a choice to make. And this verse is going to set the stage for the rest of Daniel's life. The rest of the book of Daniel will be centered around this verse. It reads, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the opportunity to come and worship as a fellowship together. Lord, I just pray that this reach out to all of us. That Lord, you gently remind us, whether this is be a reminder, whether this be something new, that you just give us today what you want to give us. That we may receive it, may we have open hearts to hear what you want to say. In your name, amen. amen. So why is this verse so important? Daniel was taken into captivity, as I already said, with his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And because they were now into Babylon, the king saw these three, uh, saw these four as having potential, and wanted them to start, uh, wanted to start feeding them meat, stuff that was against the Jewish custom. And Daniel, it says, proposed in his heart that he was going to keep the Jewish tradition. I find it interesting that it does not say that the four of them decided. Nowhere in that verse do you see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It says Daniel made the decision. Sometimes the other three need encouragement. Sometimes the people in your life that you're meant to do ministry with, that you're meant to connect with, need a little bit of encouragement first. Good word. This message today is not centered around us necessarily. This is centered around those who are not following Christ right now. Those who are looking for a witness. Somebody that is willing to stand in the midst of adversity. In the midst of questions. I'm sure each one of us can say today that there are people in our lives that ask us questions. Whether it be a family member, whether it be a friend, whether it be a co-worker. Ask us questions about our faith. Watch us when we don't realize it. There was, uh, when I started going to the college that Naomi presently attends, uh, 
Somebody I know showed the video of me preaching my first or second sermon at the school with some of his co-workers. And they didn't really say anything. But one thing he noticed the next time I preached, and he shared it with me, one thing he noticed the next time I preached, one of those co-workers, he saw watching my next sermon. And I had no idea. Because sometimes all people are looking for is somebody that will be different. People aren't looking for religion. <laughs> but you'll be surprised how many people are willing to receive Jesus if there's somebody willing to stand. If there's somebody willing to be that example. David proposed in his heart that he was going to do the right thing. I'd like to surmise that perhaps the other three just were questioning what to do. And David was the leader. David, David uh, excuse me, Daniel, I knew I was going to do that. Daniel said, no, this is what I'm going to do, and the other three followed him. And I'm not going to go forward in what happens in that story. I'll just say uh, the three, the four of them, decided to keep the Jewish custom although they were only eating vegetables, ended up being healthier than the ones that were eating what the king had provided. And then, the chief, the one that was over him, decided that everybody was going to eat the vegetables because that was what was doing the job, you might say. But now, let's focus on those three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Turn with me to chapter 3 of Daniel. See, I didn't say David at that time. It's okay to laugh at me, I laughed at myself. These three are going to face a decision without David, uh, Daniel. Without Daniel. They're going to be asked, what are you going to do? Daniel seems, if you're allowing me to use a little bit of some people call it preaching, some people call it assuming. <laughs> Daniel was, uh, these three perhaps were just following him. This is where they're given the decision, what are you going to do? Chapter 5, verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. Alright, so this is statue. Nebuchadnezzar makes a decree. Everybody will bow before the statue. Everybody. Why Daniel wasn't included in this, we don't know. There's some people that think perhaps he did, in fact, bow. I really have problems with that, especially because of something we'll study in a few chapters. Uh, Daniel was not one to cave in to what the king said if it went against what his God said. That's important. Uh, the opportunity to compromise though came for the other three. Because the king said, whoever doesn't bow will be burned. You will be killed if you do not bow before my statue. The statue was nine feet high, according to one source, nine feet wide. And skip down to verse 14. These three do not bow the first time. And some people noticed that they didn't bow when 
uh, go to the king about it because they wanted to cause trouble, like so many people in today's world. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I find it interesting he uh, called them all by name. The king doesn't know everybody. But these three and Daniel, he knew by name. He seemed to have a little bit of favoritism towards them. And he's going to give them a second chance. He's going to give them another chance to do what he considered the right thing. Who's watching them? If they bow here, it's over. These are the only three that didn't bow. I find it interesting, if you go back and read it, it says there are all different types of nations. People from all nations, different languages. People with other gods, but they bow. But these three wouldn't. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods, or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready, at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image, which I have made. Great! But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a, of a burning, fiery furnace. Pay attention to this right here. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Take that in for a minute. Who is the God that's going to deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. In another sense they were saying, and the King James it says, we are not careful to answer you concerning this. We're not afraid. If that is the case, our, our God, facing death, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. Now they're talking to the king. Like this. I mean, let's be real. These guys had some faith. But two chapters ago, they weren't mentioned. It was Daniel's faith. Did Daniel have a huge impact on these people just because of one moment where he was willing to stand? The importance of making the right decision in the small things. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, if he doesn't, Save us from the fire. Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Even if God doesn't deliver me from us, He's still in control. Just if He allows me to burn in the fire, 
don't think for a minute it was because he couldn't have saved them. That's in essence what they were saying right here. Let's get down to verse 24. The king throws him into the furnace and he's so upset he multiplies the heat by seven. Just to prove a point. What's funny is some of the people on his side get killed. Get smoked, literally. You can laugh at that, it's okay. They get barbecued, that's a good one. But these three men step into the fire, which is supposed to be their last moment. The king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Uh, excuse me. Let's go back to verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then king Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. And he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? Then answered and said, they answered and said to the king, True, O king, yes. Look, he answered, I see a fourth man loose. Oh, come on, come on. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Amen. You guys feeling what I'm feeling? I'm feeling stirred. The fourth is like the Son of God. God came through. That's right. He did. God came through. And I want you to take note of what happens next. What wouldn't have happened if these three, the three that two chapters ago aren't even mentioned, Besides following Daniel, uh, excuse me, I'm probably saying this the whole time. Besides following Daniel's example, these three come through. Except that trusting God above anything else is more important than giving in to the king. Yes. Verse 26. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace. This part always gives me goosebumps when I say it. So if I take a second, just... And he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. You do remember that some of his own men were just killed by this fire without even stepping in it, right? Okay. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And everybody stood around. And in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar says, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, 
same person who was just threatening the lives of anybody who would not bow to his own image. The same person who was asking these three men to compromise, who gave them a second chance, because he liked, in my opinion, because he liked them so much. Let me read that again. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angels, his angel, and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Amen. What a transformation. Because three people are willing to stand. Sometimes we get caught up in our own little world and we ask ourselves, what real impact could I have? From a young age, I felt a call to be a preacher. I felt a call to go into ministry. And it's something that I was looking forward to. Uh, when I became an adult, uh, that dream got put on the back burner. I went into the workforce. I started focusing on other things. And there came a point in my life where I was feeling unfulfilled. My job just seemed to be a dead end. I had disregarded myself. I had exempted myself from being able to minister. I didn't see myself as somebody who could be a lesson. For whatever reason, I had decided that I had done too much. That that dream that I had had would never be fulfilled. Then I had the, then some things changed. I had the opportunity to preach at my father's church, a church that I still hold very dear. I had the opportunity to preach there and God showed up. Just put it that way. It was amazing. After that sermon, my father stood up and he said to the congregation, uh, when Jeremy was first born, God told me he was going to preach. What was amazing to me is he had never told me that. He had never pushed it. He had never tried to make it happen. I wish I could tell you that that was the moment that things changed. Three months later, I was contemplating suicide. I felt I was at the end of it. I was questioning God. I had little to no faith. And I thought it'd be easier to just be done with it all. My mother, when I was about eight, started having complications with sickness. Come to find out it was Lyme disease, 
which she still currently has. And before they knew what it was, there were some days that it was scary. I remembered hearing a feeling, hearing it preach from the pulpit, and prayed so hard for my mother, and the healing just didn't come. And in those moments, when my mother was in the most pain, I never heard her lose faith. I never saw her compromise. She kept her faith. She decided that God certainly could heal her. That even if he didn't, she wasn't going anywhere. When it came to this moment of my life, years later, I wasn't looking at a famous preacher to find inspiration from. When I was contemplating suicide, I wasn't looking out there for someone to show me what a Christian was. In those moments, I remembered my mother. And I remembered her faith and the example she had been to me while I was growing up. In those moments where some of us almost question, what is happening? How can you still have faith? She stood tall. And I said to myself, I can't give up on a color that my mother can't give up on. See, she probably had no idea that when she was going through those moments, there was a young kid watching to see what she was going to do. She had no idea that I was going to face what felt to me like the end. And I don't really want to ask the question, what would have happened if she had compromised? Would that have sent me into a whirlwind? But it almost makes you stop and wonder, what if? I did everything I could to disprove God. I looked into evolution. I even looked into other religions. I just wanted to find something that told me that if I ended, <coughs> that there was nothing afterwards. I wasn't sure if I didn't want there to be hope or if I wanted there to be hope. And I remember kind of whispering this thinking if there's a God, if you're real, I'll serve you with my life. But if you're not, I'll either kill myself, or I'll spend my life telling people how thank you really are. 
in the months that followed, God showed up. God showed up. And although it was on a much, quote unquote, smaller scale, I'd like to think of my mother as Shadrach and ben, Meshach and Abednego to me. She was willing to be that example. She was willing to keep the faith when it seemed like when there was, she had no idea what was happening. And because of that example, I took the faith. Now after that, I didn't go way back into preaching. I wasn't even going to Bible college. That's a whole other story. I told God, I decided that I was happy just being me, working, and supporting well, he had other plans. <laughs> Which I'm not disappointed about. Amen. Who's that person in your life? I bet each one of us can think of somebody right now that's questioning our faith, that's asking questions about our faith, or that's making fun of us for our faith. What's your response going to be? Are you going to be that witness that my mother was to me when she didn't even know? Are you going to choose to do the right thing in the moments that seem insignificant? Because only God sees those moments. Yeah. In the course of Bible school, I heard many times if your life in private isn't honoring God, you won't be in the ministry very long. But truth is, anybody who bears the name of Christ is a minister. That's right. Amen. At that same church, there was a woman there who's now gone on to heaven. She was like a grandmother. And I'll tell these stories about her as long as I live. She was not a preacher. But she was like a mentor. And in these moments when I wouldn't tell anybody that I was struggling with suicide, I'd talk to her. She was always willing to listen. One thing that's hard for some people don't understand is that for a pastor's kid, it's hard to go to their parents about stuff they're dealing with. It's not really something you can explain. It's just, it helps to have somebody else. And for me, it was her. When I'd be feeling down, I'd go to her and wouldn't even tell her about what was really going on. And she'd provide encouragement. Years later, about a year before she died, I had the opportunity to preach at my father's church. And I believe I preached on the importance of doing the right thing in the small moments. 
because you never know who's watching. And after church, she came up to me. <clears throat> she told me how proud she was of me. And I said, you didn't know this, but those moments when I felt the worst were the moments I was talking to you. And God used you to get me here. Amen. Tears swelled up in her eyes. She said, I have no idea. Doing the right thing in the moments that seemed to be just added detail. In the moments where it would be easy to compromise and seemingly nobody would notice. Those are the moments that could make the difference for somebody's eternity. Mm -hmm. Amen. True. The last place we're going is Daniel chapter 6. See, in Daniel chapter 3, it was Daniel's three friends. Here, Daniel's going to be faced with that same question. Would he be a witness once again? Would he be that example? By now, the kingdom that had been in control had been defeated. And Darius the Mede had taken over. And once again, Daniel had found favor in Darius' sight. David, uh, Daniel keeps saying that you can laugh, it's okay. Daniel was one of three governors over the province. And all the end, he was the favorite one. Darius had plans to make put him in charge of everything. Well, some of the people just below him didn't like that. I know it's hard to believe this competition in this world. Daniel chapter 6, starting in verse 4. So the governors and satyrs, the people that were just below Daniel, sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. That might seem insignificant, but what that is saying is they were looking at the details. There was nothing on the outside that they could accuse him of. This new uh, nation that had rised up served other gods. What had just happened with Nebuchadnezzar was no more. Nebuchadnezzar had said, we'll serve God. <clears throat> this king doesn't see things that way, but he likes to Daniel. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel. Good job. Good job. <laughs> Daniel, concerning the kingdom, could spend an hour right there. I won't. You won't. <laughs> but they could find no charge or fault. They looked at the details. 
They still couldn't find anything he was doing wrong. Anything dishonorable that he was doing. Couldn't find any evidence of it. So what happens next? The enemy comes for the one thing you can't compromise on. His faith. They could not find any charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. They came for the heart. They were going to give him a decision here where it would be easy to compromise and brush him under the carpet. Because as far as Daniel knew, nobody was paying attention. He didn't even know these people were out for him. Who might be watching you that you have no idea, sir? That they're watching to see if you're going to be an example or a reason to quit. Verse 10. So these men come up with this grand scheme. And they bring it before the king, who in all actuality seems rather stupid. <laughs> the king signs into law this decree that nobody will worship any other god but King Darius for 30 days. Seemingly, all common sense had left him because he should have known that Daniel would take issue with that. Well, listen to Daniel's response right here. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Oh, good, he's compromising. And in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. He did exactly what he was doing beforehand. He would not compromise. Not only that, he almost wanted people to know about it. <laughs> he had intentional faith. He wasn't looking to be a closet Christian, as seemingly so many today want to be. He was willing to be that example, even if it cost him his life. They find him doing it. They bring it before the king, verse 16. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Darius was disappointed because he didn't want to see Daniel get killed. He didn't want this to happen to Daniel. He wasn't even thinking of Daniel when he made this law. When all of Daniel's me, accusers came before him and told him about it, the king wanted to change the law. There was no way he could. They had to throw him in the den of lions for one night, which, under normal circumstances, hungry lions Seeing flesh probably isn't going to hold well for the human. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, 
He will deliver you. This man who was hoping everybody would worship him, sees the error of his ways, and if you read farther, which we will, you'll see that when Darius says this, he's not necessarily saying it in faith. He's more so saying, I hope you're right about this. <laughs> I hope your God can actually deliver you from this. So they throw him in the den. Then a stone was, yeah. Verse 18. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no musicians were brought before him. And his sleep, he couldn't sleep. I'll say it in Philip's version. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And listen to what he says. This shows that before he wasn't speaking in faith, he was speaking in hope. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Can you imagine how Darius felt right here? If he doesn't hear an answer for three seconds, he's going to start to panic. But this one person stood and said, I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to worship the king. Because there's only one God, there's only one king, there's only one ruler that I will worship. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. And the king was happy. And in this very last part, I'm closing. In this very last part, verse 24. Before this, the king decides that everybody who was after him, well, them and their families were taken care of. Is that a good way to say that? You do remember what just happened with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with Nebuchadnezzar. And the other kingdom, how their faith caused the nation, caused the king of the nation to believe in the one true God. See what happens here. Verse 24. And Darius gave the command. And they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, then everybody else. Then King Darius wrote, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Sounds awfully similar to what Nebuchadnezzar just said, doesn't it? Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure until the end. He delivers and rescues, and He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. 
Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? It's a dramatic change from the king who wanted to be worshipped. Preparing for this message, I thought, well, that's like a big scale. That's a nationwide thing. And we're talking in Charlestown, New Hampshire. Well, what are you believing for? You never know the people whose shoulders you're rubbing up against. You never know what that young minister might become that you meet and are kind to, that you choose to be a friend to. You never know what you might be able to do. What's God asking you to do? And are you going? Who's going to be your Jeremy who can stand up here and say, that person was there for me? When I felt alone. That person believed in my call when I couldn't. See, this has been kind of a somber message. And I like to get excited. But today is kind of an easy excitement. This is a challenge for us. This is a reminder. Perhaps an encouragement to keep doing what you've been doing. But however this, mention, this message is meant to touch you, please receive it. Because of all this church here, you could call it small. There's no telling the impact that this church can make in turn. Amen. Amen. If you're willing to turn everything over to God. We want to thank you for tuning into today's broadcast. We pray that it was beneficial for you. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for another episode of Life on Main. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website at lifeonmain.org. You can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash lifeonmain where you can learn about upcoming events and find links to videos of these broadcasts and sermons. You can also view our sermons on our YouTube channel at bit.ly slash lifeonmain with each of those words capitalized. Thanks for listening to Life on Main and may God bless you.